and I'll tend to be very, you know, you know, if it was perfection, it would probably look a bit like this and a bit, you know, and talk about fear of failure and criticism and high, rigid standards and things like that and have people, you know, not, sometimes nodding their heads and, and in the end, it kind of doesn't matter. We, there's still things they're doing that aren't working for them and we still need to work out what it is that they're doing that's problematic. What's the function of that behaviour? Welcome back to Root to Fruit. My name is Marcel and I'm on a journey to excavate the roots of the contextual behavioral psychologies and sciences so that uh, the work that we do and that I do is as precise as possible. And um, for those of us who have come to act a little later or for those of us who are non-congenital behaviorists, um, just working to help help us understand what uh, what all this means and um, how to make sense of it. So really honored and grateful to have Jennifer Kemp with me today. Thanks, Jennifer. So great to be here. I'm so excited. Yeah, Jennifer's a clinical psychologist in Adelaide, South Australia, uh, specializing in in working with perfectionism and writing a book right now on perfectionism. We'll talk about later and uh, does consultation and um, works in private practice. So... I really enjoyed your uh, your your book and also the the your, your presentation at the conference last year. It was great. Oh, cool! Thank you. Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed doing it as well. Yeah. Done it a few other times, a couple other times now. <clears throat> I've pitched for Worldcon this year, so I'm, fingers crossed. I, I want to dive deeper into the self criticism stuff that we touched on. Yeah, and I think a lot of. Um, so many therapists struggle with that. This, this term perfectionism is is one that is um, pretty common for for our folk. Would you say? I think it's really common for our clients and for oh. us as ourselves as therapists. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's and it's interesting because it's such a term that's been around for such a long time, but always from my mind treated as if a it's um a sort of a personality trait that you're stuck mm-hmm. with I think. okay you know, yeah that you're such a perfectionist is a sort of phrase or oh i'm so perfectionistic might be something like an adjective mm-hmm. you would use to describe yourself yeah but not um not something that's traditionally been seen as something you can treat until perhaps about the last 10 years or so and okay. CBT, a small number of CBT practitioners have kind of had a crack at it, and there's some yeah. some good books, in, you know, in that kind of area. If you if you want to look at, you know, look for different treatment methodologies, but I think behavioural science, you know, contextual behavioural science has a lot it can add to this, and yeah. um, a lot of clarity. And actually, and I was, you know, in preparing kind of my thoughts just for what we're going to talk about today, I was thinking really. Really, it's not any different to to any other behaviour, and yeah. um, we can treat it as any any other behaviour that's unworkable in ourselves or in our clients. So, mm. yeah, okay. And so, I'm I'm stuck on this um, personality trait term. Wondering, you know, as you said that, I got the sense that you know you've untangled perfectionism from that that kind of web of it being something that's fixed and unmovable. Yeah. Well, I started by looking at, you know, I struggled with perfectionism myself. So, and so it was, that's kind of a helpful, helpful reference point for me, (laughs) but certainly I, I started by just sort of looking at what are the behaviors. So really topographically, what is it that we're looking at when we're we're looking at um, perfectionistic behaviors? And so you'll always see sort of a, high standards and that's you know I'm such a perfectionist is a phrase that you would talk about if you Mm -hmm. were you know had really high standards wanted a perfect GPA or wanted to you know um, have everyone like you all the time those kinds of standards that we might you know set for ourselves but there's something about um, some people setting them in a very rigid way so becoming you know, from an act sense, we might call that, you know, just fused to those ideas or, um, and really, or they can be almost really obsessive 
I think, mm -hmm. as well. There can be an obsessive quality to those standards. And so people setting themselves not just really high standards, but ones that can't be, can't be unflexible, can't be shifted. And also um, they keep setting them higher all the time so that these standards is perpetually out of reach, slightly out of reach. So, um, you know, I want to be a top student becomes I must, you know, get A's in every assignment all the time, no matter how small the grade it's, you know, how little it's worth in terms of my overall grade, yeah. I must get an A on it, which leads to all sorts of really unhelpful behaviours and um, over-checking, like excessive work and checking excessively, all that kind of stuff. So there's this rigidity around those standards, I think, is the difference. You know, there's nothing wrong with aiming to do well and trying to do your best and, you know, you're really pushing yourself to work hard, but when it becomes rigid, that's a, that's a problem, I think, there. And then I started to think about you know, what is it that's driving all the different kinds of un, um, unhelpful perfectionistic style behaviours we'll see. And and just keeping in mind that this sort of unhelpful avoidance can be both really active avoidance, so things mm -hmm. like, um, you know, checking and working harder and um, uh, what, like excessive striving, seeking reassurance, those kinds of things. And it can also be a kind of a passive avoidance as well, where it's sort of opting out, procrastinating, which is a hallmark mm -hmm. of perfectionism, mm -hmm. um, becoming really um, just sort of taking the easy, like the easy path, the risk-free path, staying in a dead-end job, you mm -hmm. know. Um, mm -hmm. so, so you can sort of see it, perfectionist kind of goes both ways. The stereotype tends to lead towards the A student, the overachiever, but actually I find it in people who are, who've been watching TV for 10 years, you know, they've been doing very little with their lives because mm -hmm. they, they just can't do anything to the standard that they want. To yeah. Do. We have this image of, uh, it's just a kind of type A person. Yeah, the yeah, absolutely. But I'd say there's just as many people who mm -hmm. really, they can't yeah. do it well enough, so they don't do anything at all, essentially. Yeah, yeah that's something I'm, I mean, I've, I've really had some nice experiences. I don't know about nice. I've had some close contacts recently with how much my procrastination has to do with anxiety. Right. You know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like confidence before, you know, like, ah, just last minute, you know. And no, not so it's much not. The case. Yeah, well, confidence <laughs> is the byproduct of having done something, right? You usually feel more confident after you've done it. The procrastination, yeah. the avoidance is really about fear of failure. So, you know, just sort of continuing topographically and what you'll see, perfectionism is so much about, I think it's a collection of behaviours essentially driven by mm. the this one aversive, which is fear of failing. Failing, mm. I use that term in like the absolute broadest sense. So making a mistake or some kind of error, being rejected, not being good enough in some way. Um, there's a lot of perfectionism is interpersonal. So you have someone not yeah. liking you, those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. And, um, and procrastination is, yeah, what if I can't do it right? Or it's just, you know, people aren't happy with me or... <clears throat> you know, maybe it's just too hard and I might yeah. fail. Yeah. So we're really avoiding all those uncomfortable feelings that come up with that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And you would have found that as you nudge closer to your anxiety. Oh, yeah. These, uh, yeah. If this doesn't feel good, right? You no, know, no, it doesn't. And, uh, and I just, I guess it makes me think about, you know, my own experience as you're talking about, you know, my, with perfectionism and, uh, um, you know, as I was, as I was thinking about our talk today, I was, I've been, I've been pondering more and reflecting more on where just some of the history of that. And, you know, I think, um, cause I don't have a, I don't have a history of like having a parent who's like telling me I have to get straight A's or, you know, that kind of pressure. But I think interpersonally, um, it, a lot of it, a lot of it comes from being overweight as a, as a child and just like wanting right. to, and a, and a young adult and wanting to, to, um, to please others, you know, kind of like, let me do this dance over here. So you like me and you like ignore this, like all this, this, this horrific part of me, you know? 
Yeah. So, so what are the uncomfortable feelings that then would come up for you in, in that context, you know, as you sort of think, you start procrastinating and you notice this anxiety comes up. What is it that you're, what is it you're noticing in yourself? I, I think it's, I mean, a lot of aversion to conflict and, um, you know, wanting to please and uh, really, really like, I mean, I can, if I'm paying attention, I can just see how I'm steered by, you know, uh, my by other, what my, mm, steered by other people you know, around me, you know, maybe it's even as simple as like yesterday I was going for a walk and I was listening to music. And one of the things I, I, I like to do is dance. I love to dance. And I was just like, I was just jamming, you know? Okay. So, but I'm just noticing how every time I pass someone, cause I was, I'm here on the boardwalk and you know, it was, it was at night. And so it wasn't a lot of people, but every time I pass someone, I'm like very, I can't enjoy like I want to enjoy because I'm thinking about, you know, and I don't think that that's, you know, unique to me. Um, but I can see how that's kind of a microcosm of a, a lot of things. And, and, you know, whether it's me playing saxophone, knowing that people can hear me, you know? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I quit saxophone because people would in my house would say like, Oh, you're practicing again. It's so loud. <laughs> It's such a hard <laughs> instrument to practice with people. Really? Around. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that so the procrastination then for you comes when you feel like there might be conflict or someone might not be happy with you yeah. or that yeah. you might be breaking social rules or bending them in some way. So you'll tend to pull back from that. And that comes up all the time in our work as psychologists or therapists is having to say stuff that you know might not go down well like take small risks mm -hmm. to sort of call it as we see it sometimes yeah. and that can really for some people really interfere with i think their ability to be an effective therapist i'm sure you've worked out ways to manage that in session where you yeah. feel that you would feel that i i don't know i do like i sort of procrastinate on these moments of like i really should probably be saying this now you know like uh, yeah. it still will be hard for them to hear but i yeah. don't want to hurt them or upset them or it yeah. shows up everywhere yeah and and, it's, and 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 then for me the new element to it is having sort of my own private private practice and it being the first time in my career that i'm you know having financial transactions with clients mm -hmm. that's another kind of complicating contingency to the yeah. And, and it, you know, I mean, I, I teach too. And so that's, you know, it's a whole nother, the other areas where I can see some of the same, same songs being played in my head. Yeah. So that's really that, the other um, elements, the topographically of perfectionism that I find in my clients is that, that what's playing in your head piece, you know, the, the self-criticism really, you know, was that good enough or, <clears throat> that was a shit session or <laughs> my favorite, yeah. my, my personal favorite is um, another therapist would have done that session better than me. You know, mm. if Robin Walzer was here, <laughs> he would have sorted that yeah. right out. Well, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm comfortable just assuming that that's always the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uncomfortable assuming that, but not because I think I should be as good as Robin Walzer or Kelly Wilson or whoever I'm comparing myself yeah. to that day. Yeah. But because I just feel like I should be better, you know, yeah. most yeah. of the time. Um, the supervision or consultation I get around my practice is is like half the time about this. Like, I should, mm. you know, like how can I do this better? Like how mm -hmm. I'm, um, I'm having a moment of like a lot of self-criticism and yeah. I've had to work really, really hard on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me too, it's like, if I think one of the other ways, and maybe we're just, we're just airing our laundry. I won't call it dirty. We'll just call <laughs> Isn't it that our what laundry. We, this is, this is CVS. What else do we do? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, having my own life issues or interpersonal issues outside of, you know professional stuff and in thinking, you know, oh my gosh, like how can I help anyone else if I don't have my shit figured out? Oh yeah. That's a great one, isn't it? Yeah. 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 
that's why I like to open up workshops talking about, you know, my own struggles with eating disorder when I was um, a kid, a teen and in my 20s, my struggles with anxiety. I've had a major depressive episode yeah. um, in my mid-20s. I talk about that and it's interesting. In CBS, that's just so normal, right? That's just that's mm-hmm. really normal that we would talk about that kind of stuff. But I presented to a um, a group of – there was 600 people in the, the webinar that night. It was the same one I ran for Worldcome last year and uh-huh. um, basically here in Australia. And they were kind of all different backgrounds of psychology, probably predominantly CBT. So mm. they, in the workshop feedback, there was just comment after comment about thank you so much for sharing oh, that wow. you have Beautiful. you know, had struggled with this stuff. That felt really validating for me. Like it was this huge outpouring of wow. like, Beautiful. well, hang on, I'm a psychologist and I'm allowed to struggle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that was the news, like – that was really news. Um, yeah. And yet, you know, clearly people had tuned in because on the topics, the perfectionistic therapist, they tuned in because they themselves were struggling with stuff and wanted to work on their clients mm-hmm. as well. Um, but admitting that was such a big step. And, um, you know, I'm still working on it. <laughs> still working yeah. on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about how much we're naturally looking for answers, you know, and it might be one week I'm a perfectionist, the next week I'm I'm codependent. That's really my problem. And then the next week, no, it's actually just anxiety, you know, and yeah, even though I've been practicing for, I don't know, 12 years or whatever it's been, I'm still surprised at how when I pay attention, people are really just oftentimes asking, like, why am I like this? Mm. You know, why is this, why is this happening? And we love a label, don't we? You know, yeah. just a heuristic for understanding the world. I have this, I have, and we become wedded to those as well. Yeah. So uh, my anxiety, my depression. I, I, I'm really explicit with people right when we do consent around, um, we're working on the processes that are, you know not working for you and I'm trying not in the therapy I'm trying not to provide more labels and 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 I you know although I might say you know well, it sounds like you've people told you that's perfectionistic you know it sounds a bit you know and I'll tend to be very you know if it was perfectionism it would probably look a bit like this and a bit you know and talk about fear of failure and criticism Mm -hmm. and high rigid standards and things like that and have people you know not sometimes nodding their heads and and in the end it kind of doesn't matter Mm. like there's still things they're doing that aren't working for them and we still need to work out what it is that they're doing that's problematic. Yeah. What's the function of that behavior? I love your podcast because you. when you, oh, welcome, um, you you know when you talk about um, trying to get like underneath the work that we do and try and understand what it is that's going on, that exactly describes what I've been trying to do myself. Yeah. you know, in recent years, uh, more and more so. And so the what drives you to that, that direction? Being more effective. Yeah. I think. Okay. You know, um, trying to help more. That's probably the value. And I'm curious. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoy learning. And um, yeah, what about you? All that. And I want to be in with the cool kids too. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll fess up. I was a bit of that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I've been to several world cons now and, you know, my first one I had no idea what anyone was talking about. So I guess I did want to be able to talk to people and actually understand what it is I was saying. (laughs) What do they mean by contingencies? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. What do they mean by trans transformation of stimulus function? Someone help me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so, but you, that. but you're a hard, you're a really hard worker. I know that you've done a lot to, to, you know, get to where you are. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you've seen that impact your work in the consultation room. <laughs> the answer that comes up probably is my inner critic that says, well, it's probably not all that much better, is it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Still struggling with that, aren't you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Still struggling with me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think, I mean, I, yeah. And then there's that, that modest side of you that kind of says, well, you can't blow your own horn about how great you are and this sort of thing. Um, I think, I think I'm more effective at just getting to the heart of what's going wrong for someone yeah. and more accurate, I guess, in sort of identifying that. And there's always so much work for me to do on the way I do that. Mm-hmm. And I've ended up spending like a lot of my caseload now is eating disorders and weight mm-hmm. management. And that's, mm-hmm really convenience in the sense of I don't really advertise at all for my for clients and um, there's there's just hardly anyone here in my local area doing that work and so mm-hmm. doctors just find me um, listed for that couple of places and that's just how it works yeah. so there's something really nice about having see you know anxiety would be the overall anxiety. Um, the nexus between that and perfectionism, OCD, which there's a lot of overlap really isn't there, and and sort of the way that translates into sort of problems with chronic illness and eating and mm-hmm. weight and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's probably the, the morphous kind of vibes that I see. And there's something really nice about the cohesiveness of that now <clears throat> if um, that I can just continue to refine how I identify the problematic you know, the unworkable behavior, the mm-hmm. things that people are doing, the aversives, I start to see the themes. What, um, you know, if I, as a therapist, my my spirit animal, I like to say is probably wrong, is, is Emily Sandoz. You know, I would love, I loved your session with her. And oh, I, um, she's, she's great. She's amazing. And so listening, you know, trying to always work out what's the aversive that's driving the behavior, what's the snake mm-hmm. in the room. Um, getting just gradually, gradually better at that, I think, and understanding. Mm-hmm. I have no training. But here in Australia, there's just very little now and none at all when I did my training on um, clinical behaviour analysis. It's okay. very, like, not a big industry here and um, not sort of integrated with therapy, just sort of stuck in the kids with autism space mm-hmm. and... Um, so trying to educate myself on that has, I think, really helped me with that specificity, that accuracy in my work. Cool. As we were going along, I think I broke our core. I want to hear more about, um, some of the the functions of what's happening there and how you get at, like, not only you seeing the functions, but helping someone else understand functionally what's happening. Yeah, sure. So... What I'm looking at when I'm noticing perfectionistic behavior in people, so looking for those common processes that that are going on, whether or not you would, and, and CBT went this way, you know, sort of diagnosing clinical perfectionism, you could. But regardless, I'm looking for those processes of um, particularly this sort of fear of failure driving really unworkable avoidant behavior and mm-hmm. that there's negative consequences of that in the long term. But in okay. the short term, the function of that behavior is usually um, some kind of relief or so it's negatively reinforced, the behavior. Mm-hmm. So if you think about pr- procrastination, which is such a common behavior that I would work with people, whether they be procrastinating on exercising or doing assignments at uni or whatever it is that they want to be doing, making that phone call, sending that text, in the short term, if we just put it off or we go and do something else, um, we distract ourselves with our favorite game that we're playing at the moment, whatever it is, mm-hmm. then we get a sense of relief <clears throat> from the anxiety 
that, that we have around doing it. And so the anxiety is that we might fail in some way, make a mistake, look stupid, look awkward. For me, it would be like, look, not competent would be kind of the fear that would drive my, you know, unhelpful therapeutic behaviours yeah. <laughs> probably. And um, so we're getting that kind of short-term relief. So really it's the control agenda. Mm-hmm. So trying to control our inner experiences by doing these things that are getting us away from, uh, in the end, living a valued life. Like a lot of people very tuned into every mistake they've ever made is their mm-hmm. entire kind of, you know, not mm-hmm. entire, but a big yeah. chunk of their kind of thought processes, micro-focusing. Yeah. You know, you've probably had heaps of um, uh, socially anxious and perfectionism and social anxiety go so beautifully together mm-hmm. because there's this focus on what if I say something wrong, look stupid, be awkward. And, of course, the more you focus on not being awkward, the more awkward you are in general. So um, becoming really just hypervigilant to mm-hmm. any potential mistake, past mistake, future mistake, what you're doing in the moment. Very little mindfulness, actually. Mostly the past and the future quite kind of really struggling to be um aware but and i would say um by doing that constantly watching what you're doing um mm. constantly seeking reassurance mm-hmm. for that or checking in your own mind that you're not mm-hmm. being awkward you are um avoiding a potential future mistake and um avoiding the shame that would come up uh, yeah touch upon that and of course there's long-term consequences which you're not paying any attention to at all the distance that it's creating between you and your friends the fact that it's just too hard to go out and do this so you don't go at all um the how isolating how how much less fun you have Mm -hmm. all those kinds of longer term consequences uh what really what our our job is as therapists is to kind of i think bring bring some awareness of those longer term consequences into the room and then start to make decisions around how could you be more present in that moment Mm -hmm. even if you there's a risk that you'll say something stupid that you look like an idiot or something like that yeah um and what would be worth it you know what would be a life down the road that would be worth it for you you could have warm, loving, respectful, fun friendships. Does that sound kind of something we're aiming towards? towards Mm. Making efforts towards. So that's why, you know, I feel like what I'm describing here is no different to any behavior you would work on with any client, any time. <laughs> and the more I thought about, you know, what we're going to talk about today and I'm putting together some stuff for a workshop I'm going to be running later in the year, I think, how's this? This is not different to anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing unique to say, so I'm going to have to cycle around that in my own way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> What's why do you think the function of sharing that was? <laughs> oh, oh. I, I actually think it's really helpful to think, hang on a second, um, there's nothing different about this because it means yeah. that everyone who's doing ACT can do this. There's nothing like magical well, about working okay. with perfectionism. It's not yeah. this sort of – people do say, I need help on how to work with perfectionism. Like, You're already doing it. But let's just <laughs> orient you to like okay. how you do it. Um mm-hmm. And so that job still needs to be done. So I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I'm, all right, all right. I'm not out of a well, job it's, yet. Well, it's, it's interesting you, you wrapped up with that because I was thinking while you were saying this, but just what's the utility of thinking of the collection of behaviors as something that resembles perfectionism? If, if yeah. for CBS clinicians, you know, yeah. like, you know you're going to be coming out with an awesome workbook here soon and we, we want everyone who listens to buy three copies. Yeah, um, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Buy one for all your family. <laughs> Those perfectionistic it's in, bastards it's in coming out in time for Christmas. So oh, nice, there you go. Nice. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think because I think the utility of that is that it is a topic that baffles people. It, yeah. There is a – it's kind of like um, 
almost like these are behaviors that are all oriented around this kind of fear of failure. So there's a collection of behaviors here okay. that tend to go together. They're not always, but I think they go together. So I think there's some cohesiveness there that is useful for people to conceptualize as um, in terms of treatment. And okay. because we know that um, perfect, un, unhelpful, maladaptive, whatever you want to call them, perf perfectionistic behaviors are really strongly related to a whole range of commonly diagnosed mental health problems and that often they're missed. And that was certainly my experience of having been to therapy for problems with eating, you know, when I was 16 and I was mm -hmm. back in there again, still struggling in sort of early 20s, yeah. having anxiety, did find for a little while anxiety in my mid-20s and depressions or a therapist then and no one picked up this sort of underlying thread of behaviours that, that were related to all of those problems. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that really, if we had addressed that cohesive thread of processes, unhelpful processes, which we could call perfectionism, once I started addressing that, it, it really helped with my anxiety and it really helped um, with eating and feeling more comfortable with that and hmm. um, and all of those things, of course, are still a work in hmm. progress. Yeah, and, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> and, 100%. Yeah, and yet having sort of a, a way of understanding that has been really helpful and the the final sort of piece of that for me has been the self-compassion mm. element of that which yeah. has just been yeah, i really appreciated that element in your in your book yeah thanks um yeah. and i i certainly don't hold myself out as a uh, as an expert on compassion focused therapy in fact that was the chapter that I was the most nervous to write because mm. you know i could have a ton of books next to me and listen to a lot of stuff and been to workshops but still feel like it's something I'm very much learning and so it's only there's only I think there's some useful things in there I'm hoping that it's kind of foundational in terms of compassion focused mm -hmm. therapy that and I encourage people to go elsewhere and keep pursuing it um, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah I think for me the compassion for myself and the compassion for that uh, inner self-critic is just um, actually finding compassion for that part of yeah. me was really turning point. And in actual fact, cycled back around that in my own consultation sessions um, recently where I even found myself getting to the place where I was like hey I need this guy you know like I need this part of myself that this mm. this criticism has actually a really important function for me and really important pur purpose and I wouldn't want to actually ever get rid of it which it's a long way yeah. from where I used to be on this so um mm. like I don't actually ever want to let this go this part mm -hmm. of myself hmm. can you say more about that yeah, I um, I think I appreciated that that this part of myself, this sort of tendency to doubt and critique, shows up when things are really important to me, when I really care, and it's a way of saying, "Hey, you know, this is really important. Don't mess it up." Hmm. And it's a way of pushing myself to keep working on my craft basically. So whilst the phrasing, um, and it has the phrasing <clears throat> that my sort of inner self-critic has softened definitely over the years. Mm -hmm. So it is much more likely to compare me to Robin Walzer or someone like that. Emily would know what to do, you know. <laughs> um, it's not It's not saying, you know, you're crap at this, you know, you're mm -hmm. hope. You know, it's not going often doing that. So that helps, but and that kind of accountability to like keep working on this, keep getting better, keep looking for the ways that you can help, um, mm -hmm. keep questioning and cycling back through and sort of reflecting yeah. on your own practice. It's yeah. tied up with that, and that seems really important. It is really important to me. Yeah, does that make sense? Okay, thanks for sharing that. I'm, I'm, um, thinking about a, my favorite, I think the, the song that really sums it up for my, uh, 
my critic, and that's the song from Hamilton, uh, Satisfied, or have you heard the song? I don't know it. No. Oh, gosh, you got to listen to it. Yeah. The, the, the main lyric is he's, he's talking to this, this um, you know, the, 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 the musical Hamilton. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's talking to this, this, uh, this woman at a party and kind of, kind of flirting. And she's, she says, he says, you're like me. You've never been satisfied. And that's the whole, and it just, yeah. it's, it just hits at the heart for me of the critic, you know? Yeah. You're like me. I'm never satisfied. Is that right? I've never been satisfied. Yeah, that's true. Never satisfied. Never and satisfied. yet there's a part of that that sounds really important to you to keep also maybe keep, never just settle. You know, don't just say, okay, I'm, I'm a therapist now. I'm done. I'm mm-hmm. good at this. Or I, got, I got tenure now, which I'm not an academic, but you know, the yeah, common, that, common that yeah. yeah, you get tenure yeah. and then you just, you don't do anything anymore and yeah, you know, like your that. courses. That's basically not that I've ever experienced that with a professor in my life. No, no, they never. <laughs> no, they're very hardworking folk. <laughs> yes. Uh, I um, uh, yeah. We, I don't think that you and I ever want to get to that point where we sort of kick our feet back up on the desk and say, "Yeah, I'm good at this now. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I've got there." Yeah. Can I, can I share some of my, uh, my script with you Yeah. and maybe, maybe get some, we can, we can mess around with this here yeah. a bit and see what happens. So one, like one of the things that my mind will do is, is I'll have an experience like, uh, maybe a nice, like, you know, we're, we're here by the beach and like, Oh, we go to the beach and with the family and I'm thinking, God, this is just like, I need this every day. We need to do this every day. Okay. My mind starts to think about like, how can this occur? How can I, you know, make this thing happen every day? Yeah, yeah. it's like it it, to- it takes me away from just you know what's what's happening yeah. at, at that moment on the hike or while I'm playing saxophone or yeah, you know. What do you notice in your body when you kind of have that sense of like this? I need this. What do you? What sort of sensations come up for you? I think there's a lot of clenching that happens, you know, aside from that script, I'm, I'm not someone who, I don't know that my critic is, my critic is very uh, elusive. You know, I don't think that it's, it's uh, one that's loud. It's, it's kind of just like a snake charmer in a sense mm-hmm. or something, I, you know, mm-hmm. Love that. and uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of physical clench just clenching that goes on so mm-hmm. you know especially like, like yeah yeah tightness. Yeah. yeah like i'm kind of being pulled i'm pulling myself to the future or something you know i'm curious as well like with that thought you're at the beach wow you know we should do this every day so there's yeah. that kind of rigidity there right i'm wondering does that come with kind of a like and that's just not going to be possible does it come with a sense of, kind of fear I don't or disappointment there? I think it's like, yeah, I think the disappointment is that it can't, yeah, I mean, it, it can't happen. It can't happen. So it's not like, it's not, um, maybe it's like it's not real, you know? There's this, uh, you know, if it's, uh, how do I explain it? Like it has to be lasting for it to really matter. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be, uh, if it doesn't have permanence, it just mm-hmm. like, did it really happen? You know? So that would pull you away from your actual enjoyment and appreciation of that moment, right? You would, there's something yeah. there like, I oh, want yeah. this, I want it more, and I can't yeah. really have it. What happens then? Like, what, what do you do then? Doing work to connect back to, you know, where I am and, and getting present um, and, and engaging more with what's mm-hmm. happening outside of me. Um, or, so kind of bringing yourself back into the moment is yeah. something you do that helps. Yeah. You know, really like focusing on the kids or focusing yeah. on the feeling of the water or 
Salami skin, that kind of yeah, stuff. Or, that or, yeah, playing or just kind of laughing at that, you know, that this this thought. Um, uh, I think that I think that in the past it was, but I'm thinking, you know, as I'm talking about, that, I'm just thinking about like functionally how maybe, especially in social situations, it's it's a way to, it's it's a, it's a safe place to be you know, in this kind of fantasy land rather than, you know, um, rather than being more present, you know, there's something, there's something more uncertain about, you know, what's happening now than what I can conjure up in my, in my fantasies and imagination. So almost as if you, if you were to really enjoy that experience and be there in it, you're going to feel the sting of the loss of that more later. You know, when you have to go home or you have to head back to. Yeah, I don't know. You know I don't know about loss. I think I, I just think I, I'm thinking like, you know, um, it, in my fantasies, I can I can create this certain thing that's going to happen all the time. And mm. while I'm doing that, I'm, I'm not living in this, what could be a potentially uncertain event. Whereas mm. if, you know, whatever the event is. Um, so the function's pr protective. Maybe. Yeah. Protective of uncertainty. Don't we all kind of hate that? Hmm. Yeah, especially when I'm not certain. <laughs> <laughs> so if we can kind of, you know, find ways of nailing down that uncertainty in some way, often I do you notice like humans feel better, which is really a lot of OCD, right? So if, if I can, this is so good and it's uncertain, how long it's going to last and how good it's going to be and I have to live with that in the real now present mm -hmm. me or I can stay in this kind of fantasy land of living in this perfect beach time paradise um, with friends who are always around and family mm -hmm. that's all never fights always loving <laughs> And I can stay in that because that kind of, in one sense, feels more comfortable, less, more certain, more safe, something along those lines. So it's a pull to that. Is that kind of? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What humans amazing? What's that? The humans are amazing. Oh huh? man. Oof. Yeah. Do you think you, if you could re-up, would you pick human again? <laughs> Do you could pick any animal? Gosh, I have to think about that because there's some pretty big downsides to some other animals. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this one, I'd probably go again. I'd probably crack this one again. Yeah. You know, so for you then, when you notice that happening, there are, it sounds like there's times where you can kind of face that uncertainty and pull yourself into the present and the the mess mm -hmm. that is children squabbling and people family. getting sunburned. Family. Let's just, <laughs> just call it family. Yeah. And um, there's um, times when that's harder. Is that right? There's times then. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Where do, you, where do you go then? What happens then? Hmm. I think I go into kind of a numb out place where I just, I just am kind of thousand miles there, um, you know, poster child for alexithymia. <laughs> I don't know if alexithymia monthly, you know, put out a magazine, yeah. there would be that my face, face there. Yep. And, uh, uh, yeah, I just, I think that I just go in, numb is really a place I know pretty well in terms right. of, of, you know, getting away from, from uh, being present. So, 
it sounds like a safe place and it sounds like a problematic place. Yeah. Yeah. And you notice it happening when you notice it happening, because probably sometimes you're already there before you realize when you notice it happening, sometimes you can pull yourself into mm -hmm. back into the presence. Yeah. Sometimes maybe that ship's already sailed. Yeah. And I, and I think that's why, I mean, part of, part of the, my relationship with food has been kind of, it's like, it gives you something to feel, you know, it gives, it's like a, you know. Yeah. I, I was having that conversation with several clients last week around um, this kind of rule we have as well. Like if some of it's good, then more of it must be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Food yeah. definitely, you know, um, have a pull towards a certain experience. Is that something you getting pulled away from those moments, like on the beach, but maybe sometimes with that bag of chips? I don't know. Um, is that something that you want to work on in yourself? Yes, yes, yeah. Especially as I think about it in terms of um, the the word, the certainty word and kind of the role that that plays in, in me I'm pulling back and yeah. Um, yeah. Uncertainty seems to be such a strong aversive. Yeah. Yeah. And look at the year we just had. It's, that's just no wonder strung out, stressed, escaping, eating, and so even in the big context, it's hard. And in these little moments, it's hard to, to kind of sit with that. Yeah. It sounds like it's important to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, one of my immense values in life is improvisation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's, you know, artistically and mm -hmm. interpersonally, um, just music and comedy and, uh, so there I, you know, I'm, I love the idea of like, like I said, walking down and just like, you know, moving, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I feel so looser saying that. Yeah. There's something in the way you can do it in other contexts that maybe you can, maybe might help you here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's important because I want to be part of the, you know, part of the, the group that's, you know, I mean, contributing to, you know, what's happening and, um, and mixing it up. And, uh, um, you know, going back to what I talked about earlier in terms of like people pleasing and that, that those elements are there too about, you know, how am I interacting? How's this interaction? Go? How can I contribute? Yeah. So there's the, there's the kind of more the, I don't want to disappoint anyone sort of narrative there as well. Yeah. That, that pull that aversive there. And it sounds like there's another one about wanting to be kind of free and loose and relaxed and mm -hmm. flexible and, you know, improvise in that sense. That, that seems a little more tangible, but an intangible, but, certainly perhaps one that you can yeah and I, well i think that i'm i think that i'm really good at at picking up you know what the pick, pick attending to the energy mm -hmm. that i'm around and and part of part of what we're talking about here too is me being like overly focused on, mm. on that you know um and fitting in there you know, mm -hmm. I think it's important, but I think that it's like hyper focus. I'm, it can be kind of microscopic or, you know, or too analytical or something. I don't mm -hmm. know, you know. So you'd like to be looser. Yeah, I would love to be looser. Yes. Right. Okay. So there must be a way. I, I just, I wonder whether there's almost like a tangible 
way that you kind of, you know, loosen up to... It was a tangible way. Yeah, well, I mean, the other day you went, was it this morning, you went for a walk and... Last night, loosened yeah. up Last night and loosened up dancing down the street. So yeah. how yeah. do you... You know, that was a choice in that moment. There was a yeah. decision there. Yeah. I mean, there I... I, I mean, the, part of the context was listening to some some music that, that I, I had to move to. Yeah. And sometimes I might, you know, help people look for those kinds of, you know, tangible cues because I think it can be helpful. We can have an intention to be present. Yeah. If, and if there's a way that, you know, we can kind of either verbalise or physicalise or something mm-hmm. that helps us make that switch, something that's a bit of a reminder, it's like... You know, like the music is for you to sort of, it's just had to move. Sounds a little like a rule, but at the same time was, there was a fluidity and a flexibility there. Yeah. When you're with your family on the beach or your friends on the beach and you feel pulled into this, I need this to be all the time. I need, this is, you know, and pulled away into fantasy land. Mm. What could you do to kind of get yourself back? Mm. Both kind of. I guess in your intellectually, I guess I'd say, but also kind of physically present as well. I, one of the things I've, I have used, it's funny we're talking about music, I, I have had some songs, especially jazz songs without lyrics. Um, my, I think part of my affinity for jazz is just there's no words, you know, and yeah. I've had a, a war with words for many decades and uh, – and so I, I have, I do have a few songs that I, I go to and um, I don't need, I don't need that, you know, I don't need a device to listen to it. I've listened to it enough to be able to listen to it in my head. Yeah. Um, that I, there, there's a song by John Coltrane called Impressions and that, that's come into mind as, as kind of a, a reminder to, um, I, I just, I mean, I just, I just feel that in me and it helps me connect with with um with a looseness and just connect with me you know with something below my chin Mm. yeah nice and i wonder whether that could be you know sometimes you already can kind of pull back into the presence and i wonder whether Mm -hmm. when you're struggling in that space that might be a little little nudge as well that you can use to help you get back into yeah it's like there's something about that song that for me it's kind of like this like um loosens up the seriousness Mm -hmm. and uh so you're gonna have to put this in the show notes you know that yeah Yep. Coltrane impressions I'm making yeah because there's I'm many young. versions many versions. I really want to listen to this later yeah and hear what you hear yeah thank you yeah um <laughs> if you if you give it give it like a good 500 listens and then it'll start it's like oh, okay line. okay all yeah. right I'll work on that <laughs> <laughs> but you know so I don't I don't know I mean I, I think acknowledging I mean first you know like a good act um cult member I am going to acknowledge this <laughs> this <laughs> acknowledge this critic you know and mm. and mm. uh um kind of I, I, the process you know just see the process of what's happening there i think you know the safety thing and the certainty thing for me thinking that way might be helpful yeah yeah like what am i scared of right now what is it about that uncertainty that's so uncomfortable yeah i mean i might not be able to be Superman in that moment. And then it might end. Huh? It might end. It might end. Yeah. Yeah. Am I doing it right? Is this good enough? Yeah. Yeah. The good things always end. Yeah. But not this podcast. We're just going to keep going for. We're going to keep going for hours. That feels like though a good point to kind of yeah. just pause. I don't know. Yeah. About you. Thank you. That was fun. Thanks for that reflective place. 
walking with me there. Would you would you care to share some of your process and uh, anything that that came up for you there? I think I'm just I'm just interested to hear how how kind of subtle that pull is for you. And, um, you know, I, I see a, it, it's a really beautiful reminder because I see so many clients where the pull is so obvious. Mm. You know, they're, they're driving down the road and there's KFC and the pull is to drive through or, you know, and the pull just feels huge. Um, and yet also that those just those tiny moments where you, pull away from being from what's important mm. can can create really important shifts in people too so I was really fascinated about that and thank you so yeah. much for sharing okay yeah. yeah um well thank you what um we we mentioned this workbook that you have coming out here and um yeah. it's, uh, it's about six months away I'm really excited about it. Um, and um, it's coming out in uh, December 2021. Yeah. And, uh, Is there the a Act, title? Yeah, the Act Workbook for Perfectionism Okay. Cool. with New Harbinger. Yeah. And um, Part of the workbook series. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. funny because my friends say, what will it look like? And I say, here's 10 other titles. It'll look just like one of these. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe it won't be blue. Maybe it'll be a different color, but um, yeah. I'm really, yeah, I'm I'm really keen to to, to develop a whole bunch of stuff around it. So there's going to be worksheets and that kind of stuff, and there's going I'm going to be running a um, training program for Praxis as well, sort of in Very the lead cool. up to launching the book. So yeah. if you uh, people are interested in that, I'll be able to really walk through all the different things. Whatever I've got, I'm happy to share. You know, so. Yeah. Um, scripts and handouts and all that kind of stuff um supplementing that as well so but that and are you are um you, you're available for consultation i am people? available yeah. for consultation that's right mm -hmm. um i currently have as i do that sort of monday mornings friday mornings my time which mm -hmm. is to the u.s you know sunday afternoons or thursday mm -hmm. afternoons and um i can do that i love that i think ultimately I'll probably see slightly fewer clients and do more consultations because I absolutely love working yeah. with therapists on their own stuff and, and their own clients. For the few therapists who have stuff. Yeah, there's not many of that. <laughs> and um, then really, I mean, that's – it's really like – I love to sort of help people with that self-reflective practice in sessions. So, you know, what's going on for the client and what's going on for you while mm -hmm. that's going on for the client. So, um, and that beautiful kind of interplay is, was really the, my jam. Consultation. Cool. I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled for you to come share your jam here with, with me today. So, <laughs> it's been uh, fun. It's been yeah. really fun. I've loved yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you Thanks. so much. Yeah. Uh, when so, you so, emailed me, my, when you emailed me, my self-critic went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched it. It was like all day. It was dropping these little, um, what if you don't know what to say? What if you forget even what perfectionism is? What if you sound stupid? Like, And it was just like, you know, like a little bell going off all day, like ding. Like yeah. I was just watching this going like, wow, you are really anxious yeah. about this. So <laughs> it's been really fun. Cool. So I'll, I'll add your email to the show notes. And yes. obviously when, when the book is published, a link to, to the, to the new Harbinger and yeah, for people to you. find the book. Um, I'm continuing to do some FAP training groups we've got, yeah. we got with with luke vandenberg and so if anyone listening is interested uh, hit me up and and uh, it's a nice way to work on stuff and yeah. and learn so and, yeah. and see function so oh, i'd love yeah. love the sound of those groups they sound yeah. awesome well, yeah, yeah.
Will you All enjoy right. the bait for you? Enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, you too. You're awesome. <laughs> yeah, for you. But I'm getting stronger. They take a piece of me. But I'm getting stronger. They take a piece of me.